Welcome to the Outthinker Podcast. Each week, we talk with forward-looking strategists and innovators that are challenging the status quo, leading the future of business, and shaping our world. I'm your host, Kyan Krippendorf, founder of the Outthinker Strategy Network. Whitney Johnson is one of my favorite management thinkers because she applies disruption theory into a domain that it's not typically applied in. She takes what is typically applied at the organizational level and she applies it at the individual level to your life, to your career. She's the CEO of human capital consultancy, WLJ Advisors, which is an Inc. 5000 2020 fastest growing private company. She is an expert at helping high-growth organizations develop high-growth individuals. She's recognized as one of the 50 leading business thinkers in the world, ranked number 14 by Thinkers 50. Having worked at Fortune 100 companies, been an award-winning equity analyst on Wall Street, having invested with Harvard's Clayton Christensen and coached alongside the renowned Marshall Goldsmith, Whitney understands how companies work, how investors think, and how the best coaches coach, all of which she brings to her work in coaching CEOs and C-suite executives. Whitney works with high-growth venture capital-backed startups, all the way to Fortune 100 companies across a variety of sectors, including consumer goods, technology, higher education, and financial services. In 2017, she was selected from more than 16,000 candidates as a top 15 coach by Marshall Goldsmith. She's an award-winning author, world-class keynote speaker, and frequent lecturer for Harvard Business School's corporate learning. She's a popular contributor to the Harvard Business Review. She has over 1.8 million followers on LinkedIn, where she was selected as a top voice in 2018. And her course on fundamentals of entrepreneurship has been viewed more than 1 million times. She also is the host of one of the most popular, most downloaded business podcasts, Disrupt Yourself. In this podcast, Whitney shares with us how to apply disruption theory to your career and your life, why sometimes it's a smart move to step back in order to get on a faster growth curve, and why doing that is often so difficult. Here's a hint. It's not just because of what's going on in your mind, but because of what others around you are thinking. Ladies and gentlemen, Whitney Johnson. Thank you so much for being here, Whitney. It is great to have you as a guest. I am so happy to be here, Kayan. You know, I have been a longtime follower of your work. I remember that I listened to Disrupt Yourself during a number of runs, and I love how you were able to apply disruption theory to our own careers. Now, you have experience across lots of different domains, being an analyst, being a coach, What I'd like to start off with to get to know you a little bit better personally is if you could finish the sentence for me. If you really know me, you know that. If you really know me, you know that number one, my faith is very important to me. I served a mission in Uruguay for a year and a half when I was in my 20s. Mm. And you know that I do not cook very well. I can make collard greens and I can make really good chocolate chip cookies. Oh, wow. That's great. Well, we'll have to swap. I love to cook. So you can teach me a little disruption theory and I can teach you how to cook something. (laughs) So I love asking this question. I ask this of every guest and I never get the same answer. What is your definition of strategy? My definition is how am I going to get done what matters to me? Love that. 
Can you just expound on that a little bit? Yeah. So I have something that matters to me. And to me, strategy is just, all right, there's this thing that I want to go do. And how am I going to get it done? And how I'm going to get it done is my strategy. I can see how that then can apply outside of the domains that we usually apply strategy to, like business growth strategy, but to career and life. Brilliant. What got you interested in strategy? Kyan, that is such a good question. And I don't really think I have an answer and maybe no one has a traditional answer. But my answer is that as I started to go through my career, I'd say to myself, okay, how am I going to get X done? And then figuring out how to do it ended up being the strategy. But what I would say is that what I really care about is how am I going to help companies grow? And if I want to help companies grow, I've got to help people grow. And so then the strategy is how am I going to help people grow? Yes. And I see your definition of strategy, you could apply to anything in life. It's almost like if I want to have an impact on life, strategy is an important part of that. So in the areas of strategy, you've introduced many concepts and applied concepts from one domain to the other. What would you say that you're most known for? What have people most adopted of your work? Well, you probably can answer that question better than I can. And I would say for personal disruption. So disrupt yourself. So taking that theory of disruptive innovation that we applied at the Disruptive Innovation Fund with Clayton Christensen and saying, let's look at this. And is this just about products and services or is it also about people? And so I would say I'm most well known for this concept of personal disruption. It's not just about products and services and companies and countries. It's about people. Got it. You know, you spend years writing a book and there's so many things, strings to pull, but someone listens to it and they remember one string. And the string that I remember that I keep pulling on from listening to your book was this idea. I think you applied the J curve to a career and you kind of said, sometimes you need to go back to go forward. Mm -hmm. Sometimes just like in a company, you need to invest in the small things and focus on the small things in order to get the next big thing. Could you just talk a little bit about how that applies to career? Yeah, absolutely. So if you think about disruption, when you are disrupting yourself or disrupting anything, you basically have this graph. So you've got a graph, you've got your y-axis of success, and you've got your x-axis of time. And you're basically at some level already at, let's call it a y-axis of success of 12. And things are going over one, up one, over one, up one. You're like, okay, that's good. But then you make the decision, what I really want to do is I want to get better faster. I want maybe not just me, but I want my company to get better faster. So how am I going to do that? And the way I do it is I do it through disruption. I basically say, okay, I'm here at a 12 on the y-axis. I'm going to be willing to go down to a 10 because I believe that in the future, the slope of my line will be steeper. It's going to be over one up two or over one up four or over one up eight. And we see this play out over and over again. We see it play out in CapEx in a company. You know, you make an investment because you believe that there will be a five times return on that investment. But it's also true in our career where we make that decision. Okay, I'm in this job right now and long term. I want this job. But you start to realize I can't actually get to that job on a straight line. But if I'll take a step back and go do something laterally, that step back could turn into a slingshot forward. And so that's what I mean when you disrupt yourself is you take a step back because you believe that in the future, the slope of the line or your trajectory will be steeper, but you have to reposition yourself in order to catapult yourself forward. 
And how does that relate to your S-curve concept or your application of the S-curve to career? Oh, yeah. So the way I think about personal disruption is personal disruption is that mechanism by which you step back and you slingshot forward. The S-curve, so this is the other big aha I had. So I'm investing with Clayton. I have this aha that disruption is about people, but the S-curve is also about people. So we were using it to figure out how quickly an innovation can be adopted. But then I realized, well, can't this S-curve also help us think about how we grow, how we learn, how we develop? And so whenever you and I start something new, so I'm trying to figure out how to cook, for example, I'm at the bottom of that S-curve. Growth will initially feel very slow. It's not that growth isn't happening, but it's going to feel slow because you don't have a lot of traction yet. There's not a lot of evidence of the growth. But then after some time, you put in that effort, you're going to accelerate into that authenticity of that curve onto the steep, sleek back of that S where you're going to be in hyper growth. And so whereas at the launch point of the S curve, when you were doing something new, it felt like it was really slow, not a lot was happening. And now all of a sudden, it's like in a little time, a lot has happening. So it's fast and it's exhilarating and it's exciting. But then you get to the top of that S curve and you've basically learned what you could learn in this role or whatever it is you were trying to do. And so now growth again slows. And so you've gone slow fast, slow, you now have this model to think about what growth looks like. You can apply it to any aspect of your life. And then you use that mechanism of personal disruption that allows you to make progress all along that curve. But once you have that model of what it looks like, then when you're at the launch point and you're overwhelmed, you're like, oh, that's why, because I'm at the launch point. When you're in the sweet spot and you're having a great time, oh, that's why, because I'm in the sweet spot. And when you're at the high end and you're like, you know, I've loved this job. I've loved this work. I've loved my company. I've loved my boss, but I'm feeling, I just feel something. It's not that anything's wrong. It's just that it's time for you to disrupt yourself and do something new and get to the launch point of a new S-curve. I can see that sometimes if feeling comes from intuition, sometimes it is these weak signals that we can't link together with logic and provide evidence that it is time. And so maybe in those leaps to the new S-curve, it's time to go with your gut, go with your intuition. That is exactly right, Kyan. And what happens is that you make that decision sometimes to disrupt yourself and people are like, what are you doing? You are out of your mind. The thing is, is they can't see the calculus. The calculus is, okay, yeah, you're right. I was at that 12 on the y-axis of success. And yes, it's true that the functional jobs that I needed this job or whatever it was I was doing to do were being done. But that emotional job, that learning, that growth, that development, it wasn't happening. And so I made this decision to do something new. And you can't see it because it was an emotional job that I needed to hire this new S-curve to do for me. But that's why people think we've lost our mind. And we know we haven't because we've added both the functional and the emotional job of disrupting ourselves and doing something new, moving to a new S-curve. Applying disruption to yourself and your career makes a lot of sense. Is that why it's so hard because of the social reaction, the belief, or what makes it so hard? That's a lot of it. So there's two things. There's the social reaction of people. I mean, when I left Wall Street, here I am, I'm an equity analyst. I'm making a lot of money. I'm institutional investor ranked in two categories. And I say, I'm going to quit. And I didn't have something immediate to go to. I was going to go be an entrepreneur. And I did that. And I did all those things. But I remember my boss looking at me. She was the head of equity research. And she said, you are going to regret this decision. Basically, you've lost your mind. 
So there's that of the social pressure and what people say to you and what they think. But there's also that piece for us internally. When we go do something new, who am I if I'm not who I was? So now all of a sudden, we've spent our whole life trying to get more and more and more and more comfortable. And now all of a sudden, we're going to go do something that we're not comfortable doing and we don't know how to do. And so it's very frightening. So you've got this double whammy about the social pressure and that gangly, awkward teenager thing that we thought was never going to end. And now we're going to go back and be the equivalent of a teenager. Right. Because we have surrounded ourselves naturally by people who think of us a certain way. And we naturally want to live up to that identity. And our identity is held in the people we are around. That makes a lot of sense. I love how you said that. That our identity is held in the people around us. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. Which is why it's so exciting to like leave town, go to a new college, and nobody knows your history, and you could just have this freedom to be whatever you want. You coach leaders. Right. How do you coach them through that? So when you want to do something new, I think there are two things that you have to think through. First of all, for you, you normalize the experience by actually understanding the S-curve of learning. So if I'm coaching you as an individual, I'm coaching you, Kyan, and you're like, oh, I don't know. I'm a, I'll say, okay, you're going to go do this and it's going to be new. You're going to be a brand new CEO, for example, brand new chief strategy officer, and you're going to feel really uncomfortable. Well, now that you know that you're at the launch point of that curve, it's going to be completely normal for you to say, oh, I just got home from work and I feel like I have no idea what I am doing. That's normal. You're at the launch point of the curve. And so it normalizes that experience for people. So they stop feeling like, oh, I'm incompetent. I don't know what I'm doing. It's like, oh, no, no, I'm just doing something new. So that's the first part. With people around us, what we have to remember is that whenever you disrupt yourself, you are disrupting the people around you. Your disruption precipitates their disruption. So one of the things that we do is when I say I want to jump to a new S-curve for the people that I care about, that I love, my family, I basically need to figure out a way to say, all right, I'm jumping to this S-curve and that's going to mean that you're actually going to jump too. So how do I pack a parachute for them? How do I de-risk it so that they don't feel quite so frightened? I mean, that's part of what happens if someone says, I want to do something new. Other people are saying, I'm terrified out of my mind because you're going to go do something new, but what does that mean for me? What are the implications for me of you doing something new? So you pack the parachute by listening to them. What are their concerns? How can you mitigate them? And you see this not only with your family, but also in an organization. As a strategy person, you're trying to implement new things. Well, how do you de-risk it for all of your stakeholders. You pack the parachute with evidence, with making small bets, with hearing what they have to say, making it so that they feel like, okay, they're jumping to this S curve, but I can see how this makes sense for me to jump too. And even better if they're able to figure out a way to co-create that new S curve together. So they're both jumping, but it's not quite as big of a jump. Yeah. That's fascinating. It's almost like the risk is not only financial risk, but social risk, reputational risk. And now that risk is shared and you're kind of in an ecosystem environment. And so you need to think about the ecosystem and not just about the entity, which in your case is yourself. So Kyan, if I can just add one thing to that, you just raised something I think is really important. You said, well, it's not necessarily just the financial risk. And that is 
absolutely correct. I remember having a conversation with a gentleman several years ago and said, so he was talking about doing something new. And I was like, okay, well, what's holding you back? And he said, well, it might be financial. I'm like, you have 10 years worth of savings in the bank. It's not financial. So what is it really? And it goes back to where you started this is it's almost always identity. Who am I if I'm not who I was? for me and for the people around me. And so that's where that de-risking comes in. That's where it's not just the functional, it's the emotional. And if you will include both of those in your calculation, then you can start to make those jumps to disrupt yourself, whether it's personal or professional change management inside of your organization. Yes, I can see the parallels, right? We want to know that we're going to something that is predictable or that makes sense given our past narrative. We want the narrative to continue. And if we don't have a linkage to the next, whether you're in a company and a change management effort or yourself, yeah, I can see the pulling back to what already was. Here's a question. I don't know where this would go, but what do people usually get wrong? We forget that my disruption means your disruption and that's change management. It's looking for a job. Hey, I want to do something new. It's like, well, okay, if you want to do something new, that means I need to do something new. So how do you make it possible for me to want to do something new as well? And so much of your work and what I'm learning from you and I've learned from you is really about having that willingness to look back and change your mind about things. So my question for you is, what's one of the most important things that you've changed your mind about? I suspect you get this answer a lot. My parents. Huh? No, I haven't gotten that answer yet. So I think that it's just so easy to say, my dad should have done this, or my mom should have been like this, you know, like, this is how they should have been or how they should have lived their lives. And the older I get, I've got two college aged children. So that probably influences this a little bit. Uh-huh. Your identity. Yeah. This notion of, oh yeah, hmm, I'm feeling kind of like not a great mom right now. I was thinking the other day on Mother's Day this year, you know, if I could be fired for being a mother, I probably <laughs> would have been fired a lot of times. And so when I start to have that experience, I realize, oh, I wanted to fire my parents, but they were trying to do a good job as well. And so I think the thing that I've changed my mind about also is that when I am in that place of expecting them or anyone, frankly, in my life to be different, I'm expecting them to disrupt themselves. And that somehow exonerates me from disrupting myself, which goes back to my foundational premise, which is the fundamental unit of growth in any, any, any organization is the individual. If you want to make change, it starts with me, it starts with you. Yes. It's all a human system. So I think I might know the answer to this one because you've gotten to work with Clayton Christensen, the late Clayton Christensen, and have applied his methodologies, expanded to new domains. But of all the strategic advice you've gotten, and it may be within that realm or not, what's been most impactful for you or something maybe you wish you learned earlier? All right. I recognize that I'm about to talk my own book because mm-hmm, great, I do great. this. I wish I would have heard and done earlier, get a coach, get a coach. Mm. Because I think about all the things early in my career, you know, when I was in my twenties and my thirties, those mistakes that I made, that if I had had another set of eyes and ears and mind and heart to zoom out and help me observe what I was doing, because again, I was learning how to do the functional part of my job but I didn't know how to do the emotional part of navigating and working with people, all these skill sets that I hadn't learned in college. And so what I would have done earlier is I would have gotten a coach much, much, much earlier. Got it. Yes. I've got many other questions, but we are reaching the top of our time with you and I appreciate you spending time with me. So let me ask you to close by just sharing with us, what are you working on now? 
And how can people find you, engage with you? How can people become part of the disruption that you're creating? So the thing that I'm working on right now, and I'm so excited about it because I have this manuscript that I am turning in in 10 days from when you and I are talking. The book is called Smart Growth, How to Grow Your People to Grow Your Company. And the reason I'm excited about it is that my prior two books, I had the S-curve of learning, which we just talked about, but it was always kind of in the background, sort of there talking about it, but not front and center. And so now we're like double clicking on it, zooming in on the S-curve and really analyzing this as an experience of what does it look and feel like at the launch point all the way through and then talking about, okay, now how do you use this as a manager and how do you use this as a company who's trying to plan their workforce overall? And so I'm very, very excited about that. Oh, I love it. I think we are moving into this era. Let's say if Porter was the era or the 1980s Porter work was the era of businesses about competition, then we shifted into the kind of human behavior of business and the systems with Christensen. And then I think we've shifted into being customer centric with Amazon. I feel that we are shifting now into being employee centric and growing through people. Sounds like a really timely book. I love that synopsis of the evolution of how we're thinking. That was fantastic. So how do people reach you? How do people find you and stay in touch with you? What's the best way to reach with you? <laughs> You're not going to even say thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. I'm so, I'm, yeah, I've got I've to work on my, uh, yeah, I've got to work on compliments. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, wait a second. Uh, that's hilarious. Um, oh, so, so how do they find me? So I think the best way, given that this is a podcast is I have a podcast as well. Amazing podcast. My favorite. You podcast. have been on my podcast. Kion. So maybe include the link to the interview that you and I did together in the show notes. And so I think you can come find my newsletter on my website at whitneyjohnson.com, but probably the most practical way would be to go listen to the podcast and possibly listen to me interviewing you. Awesome. Love it. Disrupt Yourself podcast. Whitney, thank you so much for the work that you do and for being here with us. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Thank you to our guests. Thank you to our producers, Karina Reyes and Zach Ness, our editor, and the rest of the team. If you like what you heard, please follow, download, and subscribe. I'm your host, Kaihan Krippendorf. Thank you for listening. We'll catch you next week with another episode of Outthinkers. Outthinkers.